hello. This is episode number 40 of FIA Goes PC. As always, I am your host, Rebel Zen, aka Danny Hell, and with me, a bit tired, recovering still, I would say, our producer, Winifred Marcelo. Hello. And also, as per usual, in this leg of our adventure, we have the one and only Unicorn Slayer, aka Pete. Say hello. Hello. Yeah, I kept the intros brief today. Mm. Brief, brief intros, because we've got a lot to cover. Because we're going back to the uh, three-question format just for today. Maybe again in the future, but definitely just for today. Still recovering from Macau. It's got to be said. Still uh, trying to... I, I basically didn't sleep that well last night. Head was uh, wired. So you're still jet-lagged? Uh, yeah, still jet-lagged from the 40-minute uh, trip over yeah. on the same time zone. It was yep. uh, that exhausting. Uh, no, I think it's just because you, you kind of do that marathon up, then you sleep a good while, and then you're back onto who mm. knows what time zone you're on. But it's interesting. Makes sense. It's all good. Um, so before we talk about the week and stuff, uh, the three questions I've kind of loosely themed on a sort of Macanese style activity entertainment thing. So rather than like entertainment, what you do at home with the cinema... Mm. More like things that you would do outside of the home. Sure. <laughs> if that makes any sense. So like activities. going bowling. Pretty much, yeah. Mm. But I also had to be very clever because we'd also covered casinos back in Series 1 mm-hmm. when we shot it at one in Birmingham. Yes, that's right. And it was important that I point this out because I said on the last episode how hard it is to shoot in a casino. It's not difficult. And then realise that we've already done it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not actually but difficult. it was very difficult to do, wasn't it? No, no, no. Like, the point being, like, in England, obviously, casinos are not a resort thing and the security is less amped. And, and it was closed. Well, it was shut at the time we recorded. Yeah. So, obviously, like, most casinos in the UK don't look like Vegas. No. There are a few that might, or very close to it, but obviously when you got someone on that scale, it's a functioning thing for a lot of people, like mm-hmm. 60,000 plus or whatever, any given moment. So that's kind of the amendment. It is possible to film in a casino. It's, it's possible to film in many illegal casinos, especially <laughs> if you have one in your bedroom. Um, and you should, because then you can see if people are cheating or not, right? Mm-hmm. That's right, yeah. So um, we'll get to the questions in a bit. But uh, how's everyone doing? We all all okay? Yeah. Don't don't speak at good. once. <laughs> or anything? Yeah, all good. So uh, anything interesting happened since the last time we saw each other? Since last night. Yeah. Oh, the Wolves won. Wolves won. Yeah, finally got our first win of the season. That's right. That's right. Well, this yeah, this that's this the seventh is, time of asking. This is good news. Uh, also, Watford. In my point of view, because it was Watford versus Wolves at time of recording, that team right now Watford I think they actually have more own goals than they actually have goals don't they quite possibly it's quite alarming what's going on with their although own own goal is currently our second top scorer yes, for the own, season as own well own goal yeah you're getting a lot of them yeah we are <laughs> that's four so far it's amazing Liverpool uh well the press love to do this they love to anchor like sort of superstition obviously Sheffield United are back in the Premier League now and they like to anchor superstition to our games and uh, they, they were saying statistics like we've never beaten Sheffield mm. in the Premier League away from home ever. We've only drawn or lost. So all the press is like, can they do the hoodoo? I want to point this out to anyone in journalism about football. Every time you have a new manager, all the players are different. You're not looking at the same team. So the curses and all these superstitions don't really apply. That's like saying, 
you know, a 10-year-old baby is going to inherit their granddad issues like 20 years later or whatever. It doesn't make sense. But does the journalist saying the superstition not put it into the back of the players' heads and therefore create the superstition? Well, I think you'll be uh, interested to understand this, Pete, but very few footballers read newspapers. Or can read. Or can read. Yeah. Yeah. They can see pictures. They're a lot like us. That's a fair point. Yeah. Yeah. Or want to read. Mm. There are a few scholars. I think Vincent Company was he, he was quite an educated yes, lad, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah. Still is, I'm assuming. No, he lost that. Uh, you obviously lose your education at some point when you develop uh, education amnesia and you forget it all. Um, but no, no, Vincent Company is quite up there. I think there is. Uh, I think today's generation of football is a lot more savvy. Yeah, smart. It's quite impressive actually to see how international players pick up languages very quickly now, mm-hmm. whereas they didn't before. You used to have like a five-year gap where they could only have broken words. But now it's like six months later and they're pretty good. Moving along, I've been replaying because over the last week I've had some casual time and stuff uh, in and around filming. I've been replaying Persona 5, which I just wanted to give a shout-out to uh, for anyone who's got a PlayStation doesn't own it yet. It's very cool. bit like Final Fantasy, but way more stylistic. Turn-based, strategy, beat-em-up thing. With a lot of Japanese culture in it. It's very good. They're re-releasing it as a updated royal version. <laughs> this is the thing about Japan. It's going to be revealed to us when we go there. They have some of the craziest attachments to soup up an original thing. Like a remix or a reboot or something like this. To Japanese would be Project Z or X or uh, Royal or Golden or Super or <laughs> Fantastico or something like this. And I love Japan for it because the enthusiasm of it, you know, it's like they kind of get PR in Japan, really get it, but they kind of have their own interpretation of what to do with it. So in America, it'd be just like, you know, from it would be a pass nod from the creators of X, Y, and Z, now rebooted for a new audience, a generation. It's kind of giving you an instruction, you know, Batman again. But this time he's back. He's been back 600 times before, but this one is really, really, he's back. really back. Yeah. He's really back in this one. And he's going to be played by Robert Patterson. Don't see it myself, <laughs> but that's true. Um, whereas in Japan, it would just be like Batman Project X or Batman Super Genki or Batman. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's And I love that. I love him for it. It's like, it doesn't make sense. Why would you have a royal version of a game? I don't get it. But you do. Maybe it's the one that all of the queens and kings are playing around the world. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But I just wanted to give a nod out because it's a very cool game. The soundtrack's absolutely amazing. Yes, Queen Elizabeth <coughs> is a big fan of her. She is a big mm-hmm. fan. She's just a massive fan. She's not actually a queen. She's a fan. And uh, you use it to cool down. Don't you? It's very good. Uh, so, yes. So that's kind of a little bit of... Uh, what, what have you been doing, with? Because you're awfully quiet. Got nothing to say about football, so. <laughs> uh, yeah, but have you been doing anything? We moved on from there. Like, obviously, you've still locked <laughs> or, or video in, locked games in, locked into your sleeping patterns. <laughs> well, I think you have got something to say about video games because you've been sneaking around playing a stupid app game called Godfinger. Not anymore. I'm over it. Oh, you've got over it. <laughs> yeah. Have you killed all? I your mentioned minions? app games before. It's just like to make me zone out, and I've zoned out. So you know how, like, you obviously have you you have like a certain niche of game but your niche of game has one occurrent theme did you know that collecting things no no being ruler overall (laughs) you like to uh you like to have a megalomanical app game don't you Mm. it's kind of your thing 
really. Not always, not always. You do you do collect stuff. What's that silly Disney one you play? Because we saw oh, the... Oh, Tumtums. Yeah, we saw the life <laughs> I don't size. play that anymore either. <laughs> that was that was in an arcade here, though. That's a Japanese yeah, Disney yeah, game. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's... Cutifying or Japanese-ifying Disney. Yeah. Chibi-ifying. Ba- <laughs> Baby-ifying. Yeah. Chibi is like to make cute baby kind of versions, versions. of stuff. <laughs> Big heads and small bodies. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, like uh, most of our dream aliens, Pete. Yeah. The aliens come to us in our dream are chibi. Well, talking about balls. It's also Red Cliff. And video games. Yes. I do play Katamari. You do? Yeah, which is yeah. a big ball that I you roll men- around. I think I mentioned that <laughs> slightly somewhere down the line somewhere. somewhere. Didn't, didn't we go on one of those the other day? Uh, it was a Katamari Anne. Katamari Anne. Katamarenge, as we like to call it. Um, but yeah, like so, Katamari. If you don't know it, and you're out there in video game land, uh, trying to explore something new, imagine cleaning your room with what starts as a beach ball and ends up the size of a planet, and that everything is <laughs> magnetized to it, and that all the characters in it are talking pill-headed weirdos. That's and not you've the pretty one much with got the, it. Well, it bounces around, and you've got to move it around the blocks. Is it? No. No, it's sticky. Mm. No, so... no, it's a full 3D environment. Made by someone who's blatantly on LSD. <laughs> and you basically start off with small items and you're basically a character that's pushing a ball. Telepathically, by the way, not with your actual hands. <laughs> so there's a little gap between you and a ball. Imagine, you know them rubber bands? Elastic bands for English people. You, yeah. Do you remember the balls that you could create out of? Yeah, we used to do work. Exactly, right. So imagine that, but invisible. And then as you start rolling it, it starts attracting everything in the room till you're literally breaking down a Lego environment. It's literally like carpets coming out, a piano's fixed <laughs> to it. And before you know it, the walls are part of it and you've torn down the house in a massive circle. So Wynne's favourite... And this is ironic because in real life, she hates cleaning. Like, hates it with a passion. No, I like organising. But, but the thing about this is you're just literally tearing a place down in a, in by rolling a ball around. Yeah. So basically, it's the opposite click. of organizing. It's kind of like ultimate destruction, and that <laughs> means to me that if you were to clean our house, but it has happy music. <laughs> it has music that sounds like you're literally <laughs> in Alien Land or something. I don't know. It's uh, it's a little different, but it is. I I honestly think it was developed by a lot of copious amounts of psychedelics. So a nod to Japan, Katamari. We did see some interesting stuff. This is a tangent, but we went to that arcade. I'm not sure we mentioned it. The cards, did we mention it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, old school arcade. Well, it's actually old stroke new. This is Mm. a Namco one in uh, Chunwon, which is sort of in a mall. And they had a lot of Namco specific stuff from Japan in there. Old school in the sense that the doors are glass, but it looks quite dark. Mm. It looks dodgy from the outside, and <laughs> yeah. the atmosphere when you go in is quite interesting. Well, again, this is a nice comparison like we did with Macau and Vegas. If you're going to compare Hong Kong to Tokyo, for example, and the arcade styles, there's a lot of these game centers in Hong Kong that are mostly like simulation uh, fruit machines that you can't actually win anything on it's just digitized so you're going for the thrill and no reward yeah. smart <laughs> but then there's other stuff that's like really there's old school stuff stuck in the 80s maybe 90s and then there's these new things 
that make everything in the UK seem massively out of date in, in an arcade. Like you've got, um, I've seen them before in Japan, like Sega World and stuff like this, have their own version of it. But there's pre-designed arcades in Japan from game makers, Namco, Bandai, Sega, etc. Here, you get an eclectic one. So it's like probably a Namco world, but it's ran by old grannies, chain-smoking old lads, and it's completely not glamorous whatsoever. You literally walk in and you feel like you're uh, in a gang meeting. Local mm-hmm. local order of takeover. There's some like 60-year-olds playing racing games. I think he's mm. playing yeah. Initial D version 650, <laughs> way in the future. It was a very strange place. There's a young guy who was like expert at playing that weird tapping game. Oh, the, the one with the, the big like circle. A, like and a then, reactions game, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like, it's like DDR a, with your yeah. hands. Yeah, it's drum DDR, I yeah. would call it. Yeah. Uh, maybe he was a champion. He or had maybe, the gloves and everything. Yeah, or yeah. Ma- <laughs> maybe he was just having a uh, crisis. I don't know. No, a time crisis. Well, it's important you point this out, yeah. It's, exactly. <laughs> it's important you point this out. That's a good nod to a very old game that we both like playing with a gun. Mm-hmm. Um... Not a real gun, because it sort of it's not very fun. It might break it. Yeah, if you yeah. play it with a real gun, it doesn't last too long. You kind of nuke off your wall as well. But hey, um, the point is, like, these arcades, they're very eclectic here. They're, they're, there's no necessary identity. It's almost just like anyone turns up and it's all kind of strange. It's like an underground. It, like, there was people there on a date, first date or something. People there who've been a couple for years. Some jaded old people playing this weird <laughs> fishing game in the middle oh, yeah. of the thing. That was strange. There is, like, an older lady as well. I think she was just trying to kill time until, like, she had to pick up the kids. I don't oh, yeah. know. <laughs> or, or go to the bus or something. I think she was playing solitaire. Yeah. It was like a weird card game. Yeah, which you could have just done with a pack of cards and a table, but (laughs) hey-ho. But it's kind of a weird setup because they don't... It's not like our arcades. These are very... um, Almost like counterculture or subculture because the thing about Hong Kong is anything that's like this is a distraction to the academic status quo. So it's considered the ultimate evil. It's considered Satanism. Hey, A waste of time. Well, not just a waste of time, but your brain's rotten and you shouldn't be doing anything fun and you're meant to be getting 600 degrees by the time you're 11. (laughs) It's basically like a really important thing to note because all of Asia has that pressure. That central pressure in Asia is, is stagnant, even in Japan, right? The thing is, though, in Japan, it's got this almost passive aggressive look at stuff. So you've got this whole... Here's the culture of study, which you need to do. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have fun, we're going to kick your butt. So it's like, it's almost <laughs> like I've got to study and I've got to have fun. What, what, like brains melting down. But it's important to notice that Hong Kong doesn't have that. So it's just basically academic everything. What do you mean you got 98%? What did you get wrong? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so when you see these arcades, it literally looks like it's basically the equivalent. And please forgive this. It's not very PC, but it's the equivalent of having a homeless center. Right. In the UK, that kind of clientele, like ex-drug addicts and stuff like this that are just in a homeless center. But you give them an arcade to hang out in. It felt <laughs> like that. Do you know what I mean? Like there is the odd couple that's curious. It is a bit like people who have nowhere to go and don't want to be around people yeah 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 well it is it's, it's, a, it's, it's a bit of solitude it's, it's antisocial and yet none of these people can afford to get a console or, or anything like this probably don't have a tv to play it on and it is you know it's an important nod because a lot of these guys like the guy you said who, who had them the um the gloves for the mm-hmm. the game and a lot of these guys are collecting cars and they've got yeah. like it's very quite interesting how this works 
It has a sort of sinister edge to it, though, doesn't it? Well, going back to the housing issue in Hong Kong, you know, you have so many people in such a cramped space, you don't have any privacy. So in a way, this is almost like a mental space where you can just escape to. But it's also a case where this arcade runs, and I think it'd be the same in Japan. It was similar in Spain in the 80s where they had similar things in bowling alleys. It's a designated environment mm -hmm. that runs almost like a leisure center. Mm -hmm. So you become a member, you get your mates to be a member, you meet there socially. A lot of these games needed about eight people to play them, especially mm -hmm. the card ones and the strategy stuff and the football things that we saw where you get like footballer cards. And, and you moved them around yeah, on a screen exactly. and they yeah, moved yeah. on the actual game, exactly. didn't they? Was that was, pretty, yeah, that was pretty cool. amazing. It's like <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh, but an arcade. It was but pretty all cool. The, all the games are in Japanese. Yeah, that's another thing. Oh, yeah, we were asking somebody how to play them, and they just went, eh, you'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we're like, no, we really won't. No, we'll be the worst at this game that the world's ever seen. But they also had the mech suit things, like where you mm -hmm. go into your own mech thing. And it's basically an arcade, because there's two massive cultural things here and in Japan, where you got an arcade game center, which in Japan you have things very similar to what we saw that are more the run-down old stuff. They still exist, but they're tucked away in weird places. You also have net cafes. Now, net cafes to us in England is an alternative when you're backpacking, and they're pretty much dead now. They don't really exist. In Europe, they're quite... You see them a lot because people don't have a laptop or whatever. So they're really just communication. Check back with your mom and dad. Some people use them as an online gambling uh, alternative. It's, it's an interesting thing. We've discussed... That in Spain, I think we discussed the guy we saw making a living off uh, poker online. Yeah. So basically, net cafes here, however, are strictly about internet gaming, like online gaming on PC, cross PC. Mm -hmm. These places have a sinister underturn here in Hong Kong, but in Japan, they're kind of as fun as you'd expect them to be. I was going to say these Asian net cafes, there's one in Birmingham. Because we filmed there. Yeah, we did. <laughs> well, that's a really good example of yeah. it. But the one in Birmingham is like massive compared to what you'd get here. Because mm. it's like two stories. But it was, it is literally that. They were Taiwanese, weren't they? The people who ran that one. No, they were Chinese. China, mainland. Yeah. So yeah, it's, well, yeah, I guess that's a nice, interesting take that mainland would probably have another take on it. Mm. Well, that's probably more like Japan. Yeah, it's, it, I think it's more social. It is, definitely. China. Yeah. So it's, it's really weird. But when you see all of this stuff, and we have literally gone on a mighty tangent here, but we're, <laughs> we're, it's kind of cool to share this information because one thing that I find, and we're not in Japan yet, but we're very close to going, what I like to sort of see in all of this stuff, the thing that I noticed after five-year break from Hong Kong is that when we came back here, there is actually a concerted effort, possibly by our generation who are in business places mm -hmm. now. Yep to actually push fun on kids, to free them a bit. Because, like, you go to Discovery Park, which was a mall once upon a time that we watched the World Cup in or whatever. It now has a almost kid theme park. It's got loads of gacha stuff like space grabbers in almost every mall. Now there's always a section of these malls that are for kids, which there never used to be. I think there's a lot more uh, entertainment options as well, which Very is really so. on topic for today's episode. Well, it's also nice to sort of close this out by saying that Hong Kong is evolving to understand that it's a necessity. There's a lot more push mm -hmm. for expression now, which is a really good thing. That's kind of something that was lacking five years ago. So yeah, that's cool. We're going to move on now. We've covered a lot. That's a nice tangent, nice slipstream into uh, everything that's not on topic. But it is on topic because we're talking about activities today. We're going to mix things up. 
We're going to start with wins questions. But before we do, before we do, before we go there, it's important to uh, to explain to all of you when you are visiting a Chinese, Hong Kong ease, Singaporean, Malaysian, Japanese, whatever internet cafe or game center where you can go to funky arcades where you play with cards or you could do that on a table anyway without i don't know but wherever you are if you're in a game center and you're thinking hey man i need some snazzy clothes to uh, kind of you know make me look the part and stuff you'll probably find something online that's basically a gamer thing but if you don't want that if you want an alternative something even better something i'll get a laugh Maybe make a lot of friends because it's so good. It really is good. A free PR for yourself and the kind of person that you are. Well, simple. We got a solution. All the attire you could ever need. T-shirts? Yes. Hoodies? Yes. Slouches? Whatever they are? Yes. And other things. Long sleeves? Short sleeves? For guys, girls, or anything in between. You go to Hong Kong's own Hobo Bait, part of the Teespring community, and you do that by going to teespring.com forward slash stores forward slash hobo bait. They've been good to us, haven't they, Wynn? Very good. They've been very good to us because they've, they've given us our entire arrangement of attire. This is very hard array. to say. Array. Array of attire. I, I was going to say arrangement because I like to put it on different shelves and stare at it and then worship it at night. They've <laughs> given us our season two exclusive uniforms, if you will. Costumes, as, as you like to call it. Only the top half, the bottom half is down to freestyling. It's been really cool. We've had a lot of people looking at it, checking us out on, on location whilst we're filming. Pretty cool stuff, man. Lots of people taking pictures. A lot of people Isn't taking it? pictures. Hopefully they're not going to go back to the mainland and copy it all. But <laughs> hey, who, who knows? They might do. Um, but that's fine. But Hobo Bait, it's a Hong Kong-based company. It's uh, mostly T-shirts, but there are other things they print on everything. Uh, it is in the Teespring community. Will points out, just in case, there are certain colours that are only available currently in North America. I've never mentioned that before, but I think there might be a few people scratching their heads. But it's only a few things that you can't get. It is uh, some US exclusives, of course. I mean, you know, there you go. I think it depends on where you're ordering from. It does. Like, if you're in Europe, then they have a European base. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. But it's basically like, of course, you can get anything, but it might take longer shipping. So it's important to note that. Anyway, Pete, what do you think of yours? Because they've done some really good character stuff for you, haven't they? Yeah, they have. It's all kind of specified to me, and it's great. It is pretty cool. It is really pretty cool. Really funny. And you'd buy stuff, wouldn't you? Yes, yeah, right. There you go. So, yeah, it's all good. We're going to run some competitions for everything you've seen in the series eventually we'll let you know about that but enough yapping it's our sponsor for the series and that is teespring.com forward slash stores forward slash hobo bait hong kong based t-shirt company part of the teespring community moving on your question is first you are now wearing your hobo bait question asking t-shirt which is very good to point out obviously no one can see me or you or pete so <laughs> i'm just going to let them know this is wins customized hobo bait question answering asking or answering both of them t-shirt it's, it's a bit of both so what is your first question well you mentioned karaoke earlier so the question is what is your karaoke song option <laughs> if you had to sing karaoke 
Kelly, okay, who's yeah. that two first? Oh, you get on. to you get to direct. It's your question. Do you want to go Pete me? Yeah. Or Pete you me? Or Pete me you? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Pete go first. Pete go first. Well, back in the day, we used to do a lot of karaoke, and I have the world's worst singing voice. So there is literally no song that is any good for me. So, of course, we had to pick the hardest songs possible. Um, standard choices were Bohemian Rhapsody mm -hmm. by Queen, and I very much recall a woman coming up to us afterwards and saying, you've just murdered that song. To which we said, thank you, and went and got another drink. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and our other choice was The Boys Are Back In Town. Right. Which, again, is just Lizzie really... Or, uh... Yeah, Thin Lizzie. Yeah, yeah. Really, really difficult to sing along to. So, uh, yeah, they, they they were the standards. Mm. I've done a bit of Bon Jovi mm. every now and then. John Bovey. John Bovey. Good yep. band, good band, yeah. From New Jersey. Good good mm -hmm. lads, good lads. Which one? Which which song from uh, John Bovey? Oh, uh, we did it in Greece, and we did um, It's My Life. Ah, there you go. Yeah, we that's were, a good one. We were dragged up by the uh, by the waiters in a in, in the local bar, the bartenders. We, I bet they really, really regretted that. The minute you started. People seem to enjoy it for some reason. I don't know how. <laughs> that's what uh that's what uh singing in a that's why a lot of bands make it outside their own turf. So if you are in a band, you go to Greece. And if you're you're really bad, then you might be a superstar. Well I will say that where we were in um in, in Greece, um it was on Zante, but it wasn't the proper club in place. It was a little bit quieter. So there was a lot of karaoke bars and the standard there was absolutely incredible. Yeah. I mean, everybody getting up was fantastic. Yeah. It, it kind of is when it gets mm. serious, it is. Like, there was one in Stratford for a while that was awesome. Yeah. And the, the, the most popular song choice was uh, Meatloaf, Paradise by the Dashboard Light. Oh, wow. Which is actually a song I hadn't come across before. Yeah, that's quite random. Um, but yeah, I heard it so many times. Interesting. So would you, you wouldn't have a go to you've just done those songs? Well, they, it, we used to do Bohemian Rhapsody and the boys are back in town right. almost every weekend. Okay. Gotcha. So, so they that's were the go-to. That's your go-to. Yeah. yeah. Anyone who's out there doing karaoke and you can't sing, and you know you can't sing because you're, you're kind of, unless you're completely deluded and on <laughs> X Factor next week uh, in some part of the world, what you've got to understand is that there's a lot of Bob Dylan songs that are just talk speaky ones. So if you can find anything Bob Dylan and just speak it, you'll be great. That's that's my tip to you. So if you if you can't sing, speak, <laughs> and if you can't speak, rap, and if you can't rap, change your career. <laughs> well, the, the actual last time I was at a karaoke was uh, my brother's birthday recently. Yeah, um, and one of his friends actually was on X Factor. Oh, that's made crazy! It, made it through the first stages. Right. Um, so obviously, extremely good. Um, so there was no way I was getting near the microphone that night. Well, maybe you should have done duet. I think I think me and my brother and my dad jumped up for a bit of Pantera at one point. Nice. But that was about it. Nice. That's good. That's good. I'm liking that Pantera is now qualified to be old enough to be on karaoke. <laughs> Best of. So that's good. All right, Win. the question is now yours. Uh, well, in Hong Kong, you don't really get a lot of English options, at least not when I was in high school. All the English songs were like from the 80s. Mm. So, mm, Spandau Ballet, Duran Duran. Uh, or, no, not even. No, <laughs> no. Or, or the Beatles. Yeah. The, the, the categories are or the Beatles in yeah. Hong Kong. And like all the music videos were like a girl by a swimming pool. And mm. it's like, you know, 
Terrible, terrible song. That's a great song, The Girl oh. by the Swimming Pool. <laughs> big fan, big fan. She's uh, not in the swimming pool, folks. She's just by it. Yeah. On a car. On a car, not in a car. On a car. There's also the girl at the other side of the swimming pool. I like the karaoke, Hong Kong karaoke classic, Girl on a Swing by a Tree. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Yeah. Seen that. Anyway, what's your song? Um, I don't actually have one. You don't have a song? No. you got to think of a go-to karaoke Because I don't... Song. The thing is, I don't like singing, and I actually hate karaoke. And, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I would go. And I think there was only one time that I actually sang a song, because it was peer pressure. And that was it. Like, because most Who people... Who sings that? What? <laughs> oh, there's there's been many uh, alternative peer pressures along the ages yeah, yeah. Uh, for different things. Uh, the latest one was peer pressure to uh, mock someone on social media. Uh, that's the latest one. It used to be peer pressure to do hardcore class A drugs. <laughs> that was more the 90s. Uh, I thought the recent one was peer pressure to do Tide Pods. That's, oh no, that's what's coming out of America <laughs> oh. recently. <laughs> there is that. Or or just peer pressure to get your best mate to run across the world and do podcasts randomly at intermittent times. What kind of idiot would do that? I don't know, man. I don't know. There are some out there, I've heard. <laughs> so you're... My friends would go to karaoke and basically you'd rent out a room, right? Mm-hmm. And it's basically a place to hang out. Again, like, you know, an alternative, just a hangout spot. But you get food and drinks. And so I just go and hang out and not actually sing. Right. The only time I did sing was like a Richie Ren song. Richie Ren is like a actor singer from Taiwan. Yeah, Mandarin. Mandarin singing. Yeah, yeah. Mandarin. That's that's. See, this is very difficult, isn't it? Because you you've got like three language coverage. Well, could I you mean, could you get through a French song? Do you think? If I knew the song, <laughs> on yeah, a push, maybe. Forever, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that one. That, uh, uh, <laughs> in-house karaoke expert has just sang for you <laughs> without any use of words very amazing although mm-hmm. i have to say most canto pop or asian pop is very uh suitable for karaoke because it's actually more emotion than singing i think there's a lot of like i mean it depends on it depends because <laughs> karaoke is also a culture around the world that's very different from mm-hmm. each other like yeah. in spain or greece or the mediterranean it's more like an alternative for an in-house singer yeah like a performance yeah it yeah. is it is like it's literally you get it's kind of like being the guy in school that gets up and dances at a disco where everyone else is just on the side eating sausage rolls not giving a monkey's butt about it yeah like me um karaoke can be like here especially it can be like a way to sort of entertain people and then you'll find people hosting karaoke here in the big places so they never get off the mic and every so often some drab guy will come up and do some (laughs) kind of Elvis Presley number and then sit back down ashamed or drunk Uh, and then it'll go back to the host again like that's kind of the culture here in England it's literally a thing well you're talking publicly though yeah yeah yeah. here I mean it's literally you rent a room and then it's a it's a private space there is that culture and that makes me think of the Netflix series Agretsuko which is basically like an office girl a Japanese series an office girl who's animated she's a cat or something (laughs) and she's like you know the perfect kind of nice uh calm quiet docile person but she's got this rage inside of her so she goes to karaoke and does like metal metal or you know screaming is this where baby metal came from no because i have been wondering no baby metal i can i can explain see exactly where that came from in a minute the thing is about karaoke in Asia, you do have the exclusivity of it. Like mm. you rent a room, make it a party, whatever. Yeah, that's what I think of when that's, I say a karaoke. That's important to point out. That's the Japanese take of karaoke. That was what it always was in Japan. Here, 
back when I first came in the mid to late 90s, it was something that weird bars did. Yeah. Where they'd have the drunk business dudes just get up and start singing whilst you're having dinner, like a cabaret almost. Well, even now, <laughs> if you go to Temple Street in the evenings, they have these little stands and stuff, and there's there'll be a lady singing karaoke yeah, no, in public. But and that's, then you can just... that's like karaoke busking, you know. Like, but No, but you can go up and that's sing. That's what I'm saying. It's karaoke busking. We did see a lady doing karaoke busking, didn't we? Yeah, we did. We um, did. On the island, yep. going back to the ferry. Um, but the, the thing that's here, like what I'm trying to say is the culture of it's evolved here and the origins of it in Japan was like a cabaret. It was like at a bar where you have snacks and you have drinks and then you get up and you do it like a function almost to entertain a room. Hong Kong, it began that and now Japan has evolved it to be like an inclusive room, like about the size we're doing this podcast where you can just hire it out and you have a group of three or four people doing it. Um, so it's more, it's become more of a kind of exclusive social dating thing, really, or team building or whatever, like paintball <laughs> in a weird way. So what are your karaoke song options? So I can get to well, my second question. Well, <laughs> fundamentally, I would never do it. It's important to say this, like if you're in a band and music and stuff like this, it's different because Pete raised the X Factor thing. When you're a pop music artist, you need to be seen. So you're always trying to show off and perform and you've got to sing other people's stuff anyway. So basically being a pop star is karaoke permanently, you know, (laughs) but for being in a band, you've got to control your range. You write songs to the range of vocals. It's very technical. And so you can't risk karaoke because it can trash your voice if there's fundamental issues in the place the air is not good enough or whatever it's not good for your voice it can wreck it so the only time i've ever done it i've done it twice one time was sober the other time i was absolutely not sober the first time i did it uh it was because we'd finished our gig for a showcase years ago uh for record labels and stuff like this and my dad took jim welsh Shout out to Reese because Jim was here last time we saw him alive. Mm-hmm. He died soon after we last saw him. But he was kind of like a massive fan of ours, trying to sub-coach us. And, you know, he was a really, really influential help in that period of time for me personally. Jim and my dad thought it would be really funny if a band turned up at Yates, a pub chain basically, to do karaoke after we've just done a gig. So we've got all of our equipment dressed up like a band, walk into this thing... And do Blink-182. I think it was all the small things. (laughs) But the other time I did it was alcohol-induced. And it was basically a 1950s-themed karaoke. And we went there. We used to go there with a film group every, every week after film studies or whatever. We went to this place. And so they put on a karaoke that was 1950s themed. Everyone inside the room was like... Yeah, Elvis from that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or ballroom dancing. It was the weirdest thing, and everyone was doing oldies. I like, love work to party like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So everyone on karaoke was themed. So everyone was doing like Chuck Berry or whatever, like era stuff, like Buddy Holly mm-hmm. and things like this. It wasn't. It's was probably sixties, but it was that kind of thing. So it was the golden oldies range. Yeah. But we found Limp Biscuit, <laughs> and we found Rolling. Okay, so now imagine because we're all nutters. So you got me and these two other dudes who were just as crazy as me doing rolling with no censorship whatsoever in a room full of people who are about 60 years old. <laughs> Suffice to say, culture shock for them. But mm-hmm. that was, uh, it was just too good an opportunity to pass. I personally would never do it, not because it's kind of weird. Like I might do it in Japan exclusive to train my voice. And if I had a go-to, 
it would be on my uh, vocal training list, probably Linkin Park, or um, if they had it tall, which I highly doubt mm. they would, but tall or perfect circle, someone in my range. Um, but yeah, Linkin Park, probably uh, Numb, or uh, somewhere I belong. Mm. There you go. That would be my two go-tos. Or Creed, Six Feet, whatever it is. <laughs> the Creed song. What's it called? Six Feet from the Edge. That's the one. Yeah. Six Feet from, yeah, <laughs> that one. Six feet from the something edge. There you go. So that's my answer. It's a long-winded one, but I wanted to say that because it's kind of interesting. Mm. Like, it's different experience if you're actually a pro singer or whatever. Sure. So there you go. Yeah. The next question is really quick. Laser tag or go-karting? I think laser karting. <laughs> I think you merge the two. I've, laser tag or go-karts would be the best thing ever. It Can would you imagine be, it? It would be amazing. And and so you what you've done is you've asked a question that the answer is you combine both of them and do the same time. Just, just get that car part that we saw the other day in Macau. Yeah. Do it round there, it'd be incredible. Exactly. Yeah. The the yeah. That's no uh that's the future, laser karting. Mm-hmm. That's it. Okay. So that, that's the answer. Moving on. Dri- or, or or two people drive by laser karting shooting. <laughs> drive by shooting laser karting, that's my answer. I think you're the same, Pete. Yeah. That's that's the answer. You can't differentiate, you have to merge them. How about yourself? I do like the idea of going go-karting and just throwing turtles at people. Yeah, terrapin. Yeah. Terrapin bowling. Mm-hmm. That's right. Terrapin bowling. That's it. Terrapin bowling. <laughs> In a go-kart with laser tag. Yeah. So that's the three things we would do to your crazy question. How about yourself, though? You've got to have an answer. We've answered it. We've got the same one. Mutual brains. Mm-hmm. What about yourself? I'm not really keen on laser tag. Well, you would break a go-kart. Oh, yeah, I mean... <laughs> I mean, yeah. You, we, you we have filmed a, at both locations, mm-hmm. and I in didn't participate one. in either, in so one. that's... Well, you did. You were filming it. Yeah, so well, I didn't... That's participation. I didn't <laughs> get in the go-kart. So basically, you didn't shoot any of us. Exactly. To, to you, you don't have a favourite. You just would film both of them, is your answer. I'd veto. But here's <laughs> no, the thing. thank you. Here's the thing. Just to tell the viewers at home, <laughs> you do have the X-Man mutant power of breaking anything that's drivable, don't you? I do. So, that's so, why I don't drive. I would default you to laser tag, even though I don't think you get the concept of it. I once stalled a golf cart. Yes, you and did. then and then it broke. I honestly thought you said you stole it. Stalled. stalled. Oh, I thought you said stole. Exactly. We were both thinking. I was, I was like, "Is this confession time? <laughs> is it?" We were both thinking, "Where is it then?" Because a golf cart would be amazing. Forgive me, Rebel Zen, because I have sinned. Exactly. Exactly. So stalling yeah. as normal people would call it uh, a golf cart which any expert in the profession of golf karting because it is a thing will tell you it's impossible it is impossible <laughs> yeah it's the equivalent of stalling a shopping trolley I think I also gave it a flat tire but I'm not sure <laughs> yes yes because you drove into a rock or something I don't didn't you? know what happened I've seen the video footage it's terrifying do not let Win drive a thing Win would have an issue and this is why she doesn't do anything at theme park rides or nothing she would probably have an issue on a Dodgem car she'd probably break it <laughs> she would probably break it even though that's kind of the point of it I have attempted to break them many times I, I think tell. that's the only car I'd be confident mm. driving a Dodgem car. Speaking of which, just as a bit of a tangent, how cool would a Nintendo release, like Mario Kart, but with Dodgem cars, be? Like Dodgem Car World Tour, the video game. I honestly <laughs> think I've just created a brilliant idea. <laughs> and you have the extra advantage of making it Dodgem Car laser tag shotgun shooting. There you go. That's a game for Nintendo to develop. You're welcome. Well, when we're at download on the Dodgems, we generally try and steal each other's hats. 
Oh, right. And one of our mates completely won this game. We'd all got off the go-karts holding somebody's, you know, baseball cap or whatever. Off the dodge, I'm sorry, not the go-karts. And then one of our friends comes up with a frog's head in his hand. That is really weird. A real frog? No. No, good. good. <laughs> one, of our, one of our mates was in a full frog costume and he'd managed to rip the right, head right, off right. it right. and was just standing there proudly holding it. That's yes, funny. he's the frog slayer. He is, yeah. <laughs> friend of the unicorn slayer. Yeah. Chris Minogue, how you doing? <laughs> oh, I know Chris. How you doing, Chris? Good job, lad. So Chris is now dubbed the Frog Slayer. Yeah. So anyone in Sally Oak that goes to the Bristol Pair or sees him around. He's left. I know he's left. Yeah. Or goes to Aldi, Aldi. somewhere yeah. in Birmingham. We're not sure where yet. Say hi to Chris Minogue and say you are the Frog Slayer, because he is. Mm-hmm. That's your new name, Chris. So treat it with respect like Pete does with unicorns. Right. Your third question, Winifred. Think of a concept for an escape room. I just want to do a quick uh, explanation because if someone like my mom listens to this, she'll be like, what's that? So, an escape room is basically... Self-explanatory. Interactive problem solving. You get locked in a room and you have to find... An uh, escape. A, a, a way out, either through you know hidden objects, puzzles, codes, strategy, logic. And uh, if you don't, then you basically don't win. And you're asking me what my ultimate... What would be a good concept for, for an, an escape, escape room? room. Uh, easy. Saw. Moving on. <laughs> I mean, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> you know. But hold on. You're, you're saying legal. Sorry. The, <laughs> yeah. uh, right. Legalized theme. Because Saw is uh, definitely an escape room of sorts. You are puzzle solving. It's a little bit messed up. In fact, Saw I'd probably blame for the entire trend of escape rooms. Mm. That and the Crystal Maze reboot. But here we go. My theme that isn't Sork is highly illegal, pretty sure. Uh, And only one of you might make it out alive. So, (laughs) you know, Um, let's not do that. Uh, I think an escape... Well, I think an escape room theme should have impending death anyway. Mm -hmm. um, Because, obviously... It's often a mystery. It It doesn't always have to be. It's never a mystery. It's just often safe. And I don't want it to be safe. I think Indiana Jones-style escape room, where you're in a forbidden tomb. All of you guys that are young and and vibrant and savvy to new pop culture would probably think Lara Croft before Indiana Jones. Or Nathan Drake, if you're even younger. But I'm going to say Indiana Jones. So, obviously... The walls are closing in. There are spike pits. There's definitely some lethal scarabs or something like this along the floor. And uh, you have to solve it in typical Indiana Jones style by solving a simple, very decodable, very stupid puzzle. Like, which cup do I drink from? Or something like this. (laughs) Or if I lift this thing that tells me not to lift it. Will I die? You know, stuff like that. I think there's got to be an impending doom aspect to it. Now... Mm. To make it legal, you do it virtually. You put a VR mask on and, and do it that way. Because obviously, if you were to crush someone, I don't oh, think it's legal. Oh, that would be great. <laughs> there you go. That virtual, would be good. Yeah. VR escape room? Yeah. Well, again, you're welcome. Uh, if anyone's out there and wants a VR <laughs> escape room in the Jones style, thank you. You heard it here first. I'm a genius. Good. Mm. Pete, your idea. I'd like to do, I'd like to do a common sense one. Just to watch no the one, amount of no people. No one would get out of it. No one would get out of it. Just to watch the amount of people overthink it. Because there'd be people in there going, Let's right. Let's abstract logic yeah. here. <laughs> there's, there's a picture of Elvis on the wall. Now, Elvis's dog was born on the 9th of, of August, and he was 10 when he died. So if you times it together, the code is 9900. 
And then a voice just comes in and goes, you didn't try one, two, three, four, did you, you idiots? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's great. I'd love to say that. So reverse logic, common sense. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, brilliant. Good. Like it. Good answer. But any general theme to that? Just the common sense oh, of Skyrim. You could do loads of themes with it. Yeah. 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 So common sense theme. Mm. So basically rough, rugged. Why don't you call it the unicorn slayer field of expertise joy in brackets, a common sense escape room. There you go. Yes. That's your whole title. So, Winifred. <laughs> well, I do like the classic whodunit premise. Pete. But. I've, I've solved it. He, he definitely, he definitely did it. Is, yeah, that, you, let's yeah. not lie. Yeah. So, Pete done it. Okay. <laughs> but I like, I lo- really like the site-specific, because it's basically a theatrical show without any players you know you're the audience it's a room of props yeah basically (laughs) were you thinking of a murder mystery here some kind of tale (laughs) um so you know the first thing i thought was similar to yours like maybe like arkham asylum you know as a place and then you kind of walk around and whatever that's uh in batman universe for those who aren't in the know arkham asylum is the main sort of uh, mental asylum in a Batman universe for the criminally insane. Or a nod towards what you said with Saw, the cube, the film. Yeah. Where you're trapped and obviously you have a time I, I think you could do that very place. simply with Rubik's Cube. <laughs> and it would be safe. Because the cube is definitely not a PG experience. No. It's more of a you will die if you do anything. Uh, so Rubik's Cube, yes, gotcha. The, the famous film Rubik's Cube. The one thing that uh, that comes to mind, because I recently watched Sherlock, um, the BBC series, series four, the last episode of season four would make a great escape room. It's basically an escape room because they're trapped in this kind of prison. Mm-hmm. So basically your answer is someone else has already come up with a theory. You're just applying it. Very good. But they haven't made that's, an escape room for that's the Chinese us answer. That's the Chinese answer right there. Well done when you are being strong to your roots. Uh, someone else has created it. I'm just going to make it real. Right. Well done. Uh, so Sherlock theme. I think that has existed a lot in various ways across the universe. But this is specifically Specific to the last to last episode? Last of episode four. of season four. Right, mm-hmm. which is an escape room, a bit like Saw. So if you've ever seen the Saw films, escape mm-hmm. room, that's pretty much what it, you... What it is is a CCTV camera in a normal uh, escape room in the middle of, uh, I don't know, Boston or somewhere, uh, equally American. And you've basically... That's a real... It's a documentary. And I laughed all the way through it when I watched it. For reasons I've said in the past. <laughs> right, so that's all the wins questions. Good questions. Shall we give you a round of applause? Don't clap yourself. It's egotistical. <laughs> now they don't know I was doing. We both they do we, now. We, we are both the eyes and the voices of our audience. Now, so over to you, Pete, for your three questions. Why? If you could take a sport or something, something that people don't normally bet on. Right. At the moment, and turn it into a betting sport, what would it be? Right, so a sport... Okay, this doesn't is doesn't have to be a sport, so I'll give you my, my thought. Yeah, give you your answer first. Guide us. Are people waiting at a bus stop? Yes. Betting yes. on what time that, the bus that's... is going to turn up. So basically, any anything that you can't bet on... Currently, yeah. Currently, yeah, what yeah. would you bet on? So sport is a, a, a red herring. So bus stop waiting. Now, that's amazing. Because instead of people just standing around, getting bored, looking at their phones or whatever, you've just got 50 people cheering when the bus turns around the corner. Right, right, right. And another hundred smacking their heads into the bus stop. And if it was an international bet. challenge, like mm-hmm. the Olympics of world betting <laughs> of people who are waiting for a bus, 
it would be amazing to show how bad public transport is in certain yeah. areas. Obviously, Hong Kong, China, Japan, all these places with organisation would win every time. Oh, don't know. I did have to wait seven minutes for a tram seven the other day. Seven minutes. <laughs> See? So, well, buses are also different because they they don't work to the clinical sort of time of a train. So mm. that's a good one. So how do it work? Are you betting for the speed of the train, uh, sorry, the bus to turn up? Well, in England, um, obviously you've got a time when the bus is meant to be there. Right. So like 10 past five or whatever. Right, right, right. So you'd have like, you've got it, the dogs or the horses, you'd have your, your bookmakers yeah. standing next to the bus stop. Yeah. In scope of sale, I reckon it'll be two minutes late. Right, right, right. So it's, you're, betting, it. you're betting on the time of lateness. Yep. That's or, very good. Or two minutes early, you never know. So I you doubt can... you'd have many people betting on so that. So it's though. basically like odds and evens. But with time. So you basically, either it's going to be early or late. Or you can put an exact amount on it. So it's exactly going to be at this... Right, okay. Yeah. So this is a very complex yeah. uh, betting scenario. You've, turn, you've, you've turned it into roulette pretty much there. Yeah. <laughs> it's bus stop roulette. Mm. So, okay, that's kind of interesting. So you're betting on bus stops. Very good. <laughs> I like yeah. that. So when, what was your response to that? Betting on the weather. Weather betting. Yeah, so basically, weather the weatherman becomes... <laughs> a, a broker. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. that's cool. And and it's announced like that. Yes. So weather today could be high, could be low, could be somewhere you in between. You can actually bet on whether we're going to have a white Christmas or not. Yeah. That is, that is an official thing. And do you know what the definition of a white Christmas is uh, in, in England? Scandinavia, most people no, are white. England, England have a definition, or the United <laughs> Kingdom. Snowing on Christmas Day? A single flake of snow seen at one of the observatories on Christmas Day oh, is a white okay. Christmas. <laughs> so we've actually had more than people think. Yeah. I mean, it's been a few years, but... Mm. Debatable definition. Yeah, yeah. Very. I always thought it was more like covered, like full coverage. Snow. Yeah. Single snowflake and that counts. I think that's been optimistic yeah. and putting <laughs> a downer into an optimistic like um, weather betting. How would that work with I don't know. So you're just gonna the the guy drawing the weather is also taking bets. Yeah. On national. Well, it's like coverage. you know how you can phone in and like vote on like uh, game shows and stuff. Yeah, 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 something like that. So in your logic, <laughs> would the would the best result, the best win, be a natural disaster that you didn't <laughs> that you didn't expect? <laughs> Earthquakes coming in the morning. Um, that's three million and <laughs> whatever to one. Yeah, that would be quite clever. Um, and messed up but interesting weather reporting it would be interactive for sure mine it would be along pete's line of thought because it's very very random but instead of just waiting for a bus which is covered i would do bus waiting battle royale so basically you've got the time that you get to the stand to be the last person standing once it's all full of people before the bus turns up the bus acts like the end of the death match. Mm. So only people left alive can get yeah, on the bus. Yeah, the last person yeah. standing gets on the bus. Everyone else is dead. So yeah, there you go. And they get free free transport to wherever they're going. It's basically <laughs> like a National Express incentive to lessen the passengers on their yeah. transport system. There you go. Helps with bus overcrowding. Yeah. yeah. And you can do it anywhere. You can do it at a subway. You like waiting for an underground, you could do it waiting for a train, waiting for mm. airport, airport battle royales, very good. So it's just the purge transport edition. <laughs> yeah, it's only <laughs> whilst waiting for transport. Oh, so not a queue in a supermarket. No, no, it's basically a law. You can bet, and people are watching this because not everyone needs to take a bus. It's really just, it's almost a culling. 
if you think about it. <laughs> it's his strongest survivor. It is the purge transport. because then you know if you're rich and you have a chauffeur, or, you know, a private yeah, then car, you're, you're then okay. you don't. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or if you've got a car and it's not in the shop, yeah. so it's also very good for kids to learn laws of the world very young because school buses obviously have the same mechanics <laughs> so there you go and classes would be a lot shorter and less schools would be well more schools would be shut and i suppose all your answers are so violent they're not violent <laughs> they're just different okay and that's the theme i'm going for buddy you know so there you go they're so different like, and violent i think it's great mm, i, I okay. think public oh. transport battle royales is my uh betting choice right so good first question what's your second one if you could turn a board game into real life, to be able to play it in real life, yeah, what would you pick? As a board, any board game. Any board game. Any board game. I could tell you what the United Nations picked. Risk. Pretty much. <laughs> Cluedo, that's basically my question. Cluedo. Yeah. That's basically can, can an escaper. <laughs> Alright, so you're answering first, okay. So Cluedo is your... Can I just say that if the law of all the world work like Cluedo, we would live in a very bizarre society. <laughs> very bizarre. So I'm going to isolate this trial by saying, did you use the candlestick? No, I didn't. No. <laughs> did you use the revolver? No. This is the fourth trial I've done this week where Dr. Black's been murdered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Reverend Green, man. I mean, he's a nasty piece of work. And it's always the same six murder suspects, have you noticed? And I'm also going to say, when someone gets murdered with a chainsaw, no one's guilty. Because mm. it's not one of the it pieces. <laughs> so you have a very... And they only ever get killed in six rooms of the house yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nobody's mur been murdered outside for and years. And when you're in Hong Kong apartments, you don't have a dining room, a billiard room, a library and a thing in your house. You don't. You have a bookshelf and a bed. Well done. <laughs> so, uh, yes, Cluedo World would be a different world. There's the uh, there's the tagline if they're ever going to make the live-action Cluedo movie again, mm -hmm. which I think they are. Ryan Reynolds was linked to it. Anyway, so... Cluedo is your reality you want to live in. <laughs> Not want to. That's, that's kind of... I think Cluedo is about your detective level win. Mm. It's basically <laughs> just elimination. Carry on. Let's move so on. So I just find that to be a very good improv joke basis. So uh, when you came this morning and did a triple homicide... Did you say reality? Or just a game that you that could be played in... No, no, no. A real that world. That you bring to life. That you bring to yeah, life. Bring that to you life live it. in the world. No, but it's still a game. No, it's not. Is it? Oh, it's a, it, so you've got to... Okay, so you're talking literally you're in the game in I real mean, life. Because I mean, like, something like Monopoly is already real life, so... Yeah. <laughs> so that's pointless. You mean Dragon's Den. I mean, yes, uh, <laughs> the estate version of Dragon's Den. Yes. Uh, no, no, no. I thought you you meant, like, a literal kind living world. Kind of like using world. VR that you can kind of... Get out and what play. Game, what board game would you play? Like, so basically, a public park down the road is actually Cluedo. Yeah. So we're in that public yeah, yeah. park playing Cluedo. It's still lethal, though, isn't it? Because someone <laughs> has to die. So when you think about that. Uh, so anyway, yes, usually Miss Scarlet. Anyway, so Conomus is usually guilty, just helping you out. Right. Pete, what is your answer to that winner's given us Cluedo, which I just created an alternative <laughs> world that I don't like very much? <laughs> Triple homicide. Uh, no, only one person was murdered by like law. I don't like that world. It's either. only one. It's only one person can be die dying at one point, and there are only eight people. So, anyway, yes, Pete. Sorry. I think uh, I think Catan would be a fun one. Mm. A live action. A Catan. live action Catan. Would you, you would you do that like as a theme park? Because that would be immense. Well, I'd just like to see somebody standing there with two bags of corn and three rocks, going, "How on earth do I make a city out of this?" 
Honestly, dude, like, if that became, like, if you had the big foam rocks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And, like, all the props and stuff. Could you imagine how cool that would be? Like, real yeah, islands and that'd stuff. That'd be great, wouldn't it? With bridges. Yeah. You'd have to wait a long time for them to build roads and stuff. <laughs> yeah. But hey-ho. How would you get the resources? Like, when the dice rolls, do they just come from the sky? Or do you have to actually go and harvest your there's, stuff? There's, there's, you could have, like, a hand of God at the top throwing no, things at you, know. couldn't I think, you? I think there's a simple answer to this. There's an app for that. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There's an app for it. You just click, click your phone. Or you could have some really oversized, massive dice that you have to kick or yeah, something. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so that's a technical difficulty. Uh, so Catan is your answer. Mm-hmm. Real world Catan. Yeah. How real are we talking about? We're talking like full on... You've literally got to build roads and houses. 150 mile long <laughs> cord. It'd be quite a while then, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because, like I was saying in the previous one, the VR version of that is coming out, but it is literally mm. you're sat across the table mm. playing it from each other. Yeah. You're I not, would. Uh, you're not getting rained on by rocks. <laughs> I would say, and it's probably the most sought after answer. Mine's kind of an answer of reenactment of reenactment. Like, you know how people do reenactments for, like, military and stuff like this? You would need a massive place for this. But I would say something in the Warhammer world. So you got like Hero Quest, mm. which was like the original dungeon dwelling thing. Because basically, like AD and D, obviously something like that would be immense. Because then you'd have real life dragons and stuff like this. But something like that, like basically, they got close to that with Nightmare, which was a TV series when I was a kid, like a show that you're living in fantasy worlds, projected in green screen studios, and everyone's guiding and whatever. But I think that a real life fantasy board game such as hero quest or warhammer or something like that would be immense it'd be really cool because if you were to live action that as well like make it all real you know Isn't somewhere in england would be great to like what people do like how they dress up and we well, see like the reenactment stuff no because i was using that as an example reenactment scale like north and south in america when mm. they do the civil war battles yeah, yeah, or yeah. the medieval stuff in the uk or the viking stuff in york That's all, what of, I'm all of that is like pre-arranged reenactment of what actually happened from the cannons to the muskets to all this mm. stuff but it's all blank phone no one dies in warhammer it'd be like because it's militarized so you wouldn't have you wouldn't know who's the winner before you go right, into it. Right, so it's not pre-planned. It wouldn't be pre-planned because nothing okay. in, in that world is. But if it was Dungeon Exploring, it'd be even better because it's a group of, say, three or four people going into a dungeon and you would have to do some serious creative ways of bringing monsters to life and using magic and stuff like this. Obviously, it'd be a bit naff if you actually had to just hand a card to a monster. <laughs> so my mate just rolled me a double 16. You're dead, mate. Here's a card that proves it. You know, it couldn't be like that. So there'd have to be some serious Disney-style budget click to it. But that would be my answer. Because mm. as a living board game, that, that'd be ridiculous. Mm. Even Warhammer 40k. And I'm not being a nerd. I'm just saying, <laughs> if you've got the budget, go big, man. Be cool. Mm-hmm. Right, third question. Nice, quick one. Somebody gives you 100 quid token for roulette. What are you putting it on? Um, so a chip, just a poker yeah. chip. Yeah, you that, is that me first or yeah, when? Yeah, go for it. I would con someone who's not very articulate with money that it was more than 1,000 and swap with them first. And then I would put it on red 23. I don't know how to bet. Can you? Because you, you can bet on a number. You can bet on single numbers. You can bet on two, four, three numbers, All six colors. numbers. Or colours. But or I colors, only have one the chip. Evens, one chip. Yeah. Have but, you got a lucky number or anything? I would do red 23 for the reason that red but is my favourite colour. you can just choose odd numbers or even numbers. Yeah, you can. Yeah. 
Red 23 all the way, every time. Not to Michael Jordan. Even numbers. Steven numbers. Yeah. I wouldn't win a lot, but... Well, you see, the thing is, you can't... <laughs> I'm not hold a on, hold on. Can I just point something out? If you were to do a double bet like that, you can't put one chip on it. You have to split them. So if you... If no, you, you can put one chip on even numbers. On even, just yeah. as the whole thing. Can you put yeah. one chip on even and one chip on odd? You can, but they only pay two to one. Yeah. Plus, so you've, you've, only, just get your money plus you've only got one chip and you'd have to cut it in half. <laughs> I'd just say red 23 every time. Mm. That's my answer to it. Which is, what, 36 to 1? Yeah, probably. Yeah. But I wouldn't care because that's what I do. I'm, I'm, I am I'm, want to point this out. Number one, I don't gamble. And number two, I don't get a point of gambling. And number three, I'd be useless out even if I did. <laughs> so my answer's consistent. Red 23, that's it. Even when I'm playing poker, red 23. I obviously don't know anything about anything, so... <laughs> Yeah. I'll give the chip to the um to the the person and then I'll just uh, I wanna I wanna cash out. No, I wanna twist the th- I wanna make it. Oh, you wanna rotate yeah, the yeah. roll? I'll just I'll just give him the chip so I can. Yeah, make that's it rotate. that's literally not how it works. So that's good. Um, Pete, your answer zero. The one green number on the board. Right. Everything right. else is red or black. Zero. Right. Yeah. So you've cut all your odds to very few. Mm-hmm. Very good. Very good. So I think yeah, red twenty three. Whatever, yeah, it's roulette wheel. Who Your cares? questions. Right then. So well, we've kind of got close to mine a few times around this. So the first question is: in the casinos of the future, what is most likely going to be the most popular game to play and bet on? Now this is the future. I'm going to give you a 50-year limitation because I think anything after that is just going to get really stupid. So we say 50 years from now, which is an easy prediction, or very easy, or somewhat easy, what would be the most popular game to play and bet on? I will ask Win first. I think time doesn't matter. I think it'll still be something like poker. Yeah, but you got to think of it a 50-year in a future improvement to just poker. Yeah, but cards will still be cards. Chances will still be the same. So you're just going to say, nothing will be different, it'll be poker. So the casinos of the future go to hell, it's just going to be poker anyway. <laughs> right. Yeah, card games. Yeah. So I you, think card games will got, always be... The most popular casino will still be card games in 50 years. <laughs> is, it, is it the most popular right now? Like if in no. terms of tables and stuff? No idea. Like, like I said, what do I know? But so You're going to say that's a good answer. So cards, fine. So... Nothing's going to change. 50 years of Card based, because I think, like, every time I look at, like, the, the new slot machines, and they're all, like, digital now, like, I psychologically yeah. think, well, it's programmed to not pay out, you know? But with cards, with physical things, unless you are cheating, it's, you, you kind of psychologically feel, so like, I still have a fair chance. You're basically saying it's less likely to rig a card game, therefore, psychologically, card games are going to be the most popular still now and up forever at a casino. Yes. Okay, good, fine. Pete? I reckon they'll probably get some kind of virtual reality in there at some point. And it'll probably be something like VR horse racing. Yeah, where you're actually racing a horse yourself. Quite possibly. You're, you're the rider of it. Quite possibly. Yeah. I mean, you, you get the kind of horse racing gimmicks, in um, not mainly in casinos, but in the uh, in the game places, don't you? Mm-hmm. Where you can bet on a fake horse race. Yeah. They'll probably have something like that, but with VR, so you're actually there. Yeah, yeah, like on the stand, actually mm-hmm. seeing the experience. Yeah, yeah. It's not unrealistic to think that maybe the entire of the casino will be VR. Well, yeah, of course. Like, it might not actually be physical at, mm-hmm. at all. It might just be a bizarre... This is an interesting thing, because if you predict 50 years in the future, it might cost be more cost-effective. You go to Vegas, and it's just everything's streamlined. 
to so small that you just walk into a box and put a VR mask <laughs> on, you know, and then take it off and go to a different room, put a VR mask on, you get a digital buffet. You don't actually do anything real and then you just go home. So it'll be the size of like 7-Eleven and, and you just walk in there. Anyway, my thought is, because I like to use imagination and rather than have very serious and silly answer like cards... <laughs> What you've got as a competition with all things like casinos is you've got to stop the VR alternative or home casinos happening, mobile apps and stuff like this. You've always got to stay ahead to bring people in because a lot of people are pretty like, well, I can play poker on my phone and win money, so why would I need you, right? So you've got to have an attraction, right? A main attraction, which I think is getting locked in a room with a serial killer and your odds of surviving. A little bit like the escape room, but broadcasted to the world. So a nutter, basically the Minotaur Labyrinth, we'll call it that. And there's a new casino called the uh, the uh, Midas Island. And you basically walk in, there's a Minotaur in it, and you got to survive. <laughs> and everyone bets on you surviving. See, that's what I, I think that in the future things are going to get bloody. It's like UFC, because there's more of an audience for that than there ever has been in the history of anything, which shows you people still want it. And then the other alternative is the Hunger Games. It'll be literally mm. that. Yeah, yeah. Where you just starve people and put a cheeseburger in the middle of the map and they all have to kill each other to get to it, you know? It's very good. Like landmines and then just a cheeseburger. That's how the Hunger Game film is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, of course. It's just that everyone's really hungry and you put a meal in the middle. Yeah. And then landmines everywhere and they have to get to the the, the meal. So that's it. That's, That's my two stupid answers. But I think it might... You might have a fusion of VR. I think it will be kind of a weird and wonderful place. Here we go. Second question. And we're talking about food. If you could open a never before, well, a themed restaurant, basically, that's never been done before, make it a chain and you could do this tomorrow. What would your theme be for a themed restaurant chain? A raw vegan conveyor belt restaurant. (laughs) So basically you have vegetables or potted plants or whatever on the conveyor belt so it's like you're sitting in a moving market and you get to pick your vegetable or whatever from the conveyor belt so like vegan teppanyaki no like (laughs) ultra sushi with vegetables that haven't even been picked out of a pot yet. <laughs> That's basically your thing. And then, and you know how, like, in... Um... So, ba- hold on. I'm just going to say this. You're basically talking about... This is, again, this is a very Chinese answer. So you're basically saying, we're not going to cook anything because it's raw. Mm-hmm. We're not going to prepare anything because it's sushi. And what we're going to do, because you're vegan, is just stick everything literally from the garden, like a lump of turf on a conveyor belt <laughs> with, say, a potato in it, dig your own potato out, and then you've got to do something with that potato, like eat it raw. Well, no, like, if there's, say... Because a... <laughs> I'm just saying, I don't think this plant... is going to be successful. Say there's a plant pot with, like, cherry tomatoes, then you'll have to take the pot off the conveyor belt for yep. your cherry tomatoes. Yeah. And then maybe at the end of the so... table, there's, like, a little sink so you can... You know, wash them if you need to. <laughs> so you basically just basically saying garden in motion for vegans. Yeah. Here's here's what I'm I gonna say. I mean, I'm not saying I would go, but I think it would be a good concept, and people would go. Here's what I'm gonna say. Two things. One, the raw movement of vegan food happened in LA 
<laughs> anyway, it's already happened. 90s, early 2000s. Not on a conveyor belt. But the thing... No, what you're saying is even more weird. It's like basically green grocers, but straight from the farm to a conveyor belt. Literally, here's just a tree... Help yourself to avocados. <laughs> like, but the thing is, there's no restaurant element to that. That's like, go to a farm in normal world and just go and pick your own vegetables <laughs> like normal people, but you put it on a conveyor belt. So pick your own vegetable and eat a raw potato restaurant. Don't see it working. But well done. Very good. Pete, your thoughts? My very first thought was almost the complete opposite of that. <laughs> so essentially, you've got the restaurant and you've got a park attached to it. Right. And you go and hunt your own food. <laughs> right. Hunter's delight. It'd be so, great in America. So, you, you know, you get given... Or, or South Africa yeah. or anywhere with prairie and land to do it. Yes. Good. You get given a rifle or a bow and arrow, whatever you want. And you go out, you know, you come back with your, your chicken or your quail or whatever. And then they'll cook it Give for it you. to the cook and say, I want it cooked like this. And they do. There you go. Yeah. yeah. You don't have a lot of waiting in, in a restaurant like oh, that. Oh, yeah. There'd be a, you'd be very hungry too, I think, by the time your meal came. Start for three days trying to get a deer, brought it back. Now you've got to prepare the goddamn thing, drain it and all kinds of stuff, and then I end up eating it a week later. Well done. That's yeah. cool. It's got to be aired. See, my concept's more realistic than that. No, no, no. Your, your concept is basically a newfangled garden centre. Pete's is actually a restaurant idea with a few, with a few technical flaws. Technical there, difficulties. Yeah, there, yeah. There, there are um, restaurants that you sp- very similar to that in Asia where you, you go can pick your own fish, fish can't you? Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. they'll cook it for you. And stuff oh, you, like we that. have it here as well. Yeah, like fishing platforms as well. Or in yeah, yeah. you can just. But you're not stabbing them with a harpoon, are you? No, you're actually fishing no. them. You are fishing them. You can fish for them on oh, a rod can... or net them and stuff, and then they'll cook really? it for you. Yeah, you can, you yeah, can yeah. hire a boat mm. and go. Yeah, and go squid hunting. And then they squid cook fishing. it for you. Sorry. Oh, no. Nice. You, can, you can do deep sea fishing in England. Yeah, yeah. And, and then you get the to people. Keep catch. Yeah, the people on the boat will grill them for mm. you immediately. Yeah, but basically, there are restaurants, oh, cool. especially in Thailand, where you literally fish for the fish at a platform mm. and then bring it. So mm. if it's poisonous, <laughs> interesting <laughs> meal. Good luck. Here you, you know, go. I think got... the stiff, the, the, the stiff, the staff are trained enough. <laughs> the stiff is trained. Yeah. Well, that's the uh, New Zealand word for staff. Okay, so my uh, I haven't answered. Mm. My, my theme restaurant, I've always thought about this. Basically, to me, a theme restaurant is currently like Planet Hollywood was, yeah. uh, Hard Rock, Rock Cafe, Cafe. Uh, something like this. I think it might be cool, and it might actually have happened somewhere, or it might be happening, but anti-gravity. An anti-gravity oh, okay. restaurant. That would be pretty cool. That would be really cool. Yeah, where basically you go in, uh, it's anti-gravity thing, so you probably have to get changed into something. Uh, that's splash resistant and then they ship food in and you have to go and catch it yourself <laughs> like it's just the most amazing social experience you'll ever have that'd anti- be really that'd messy. be awesome anti- it wouldn't be because it'd be anti-gravity eventually everything's eaten you might even kiss a few people on the <laughs> way by accident it'd be a lot easier to do a wild west kind of beer slide down the bar wouldn't it in anti-gravity yeah, yeah. well you'd actually just have to do it to a limit and then it'll float yeah it'd be a good location for a mixer <laughs> It would be. It would be. It would be. Blind date. That's, that's, oh, that, that, no, you've actually given me the title in saying that. Speed date in the Star Trek way. There you go. And it's a Star Trek theme anti gravity chamber restaurant. There you go. That's my Love answer it. to that. It's good, yeah. isn't it? It's yeah. good. Because you could also have, and I'm just going to be a bit greedy because Wins was so stupid. 
You could also have you could also have a mixology cocktail bar done entirely on a water slide. Because basically, you start at the top, and as you're going down, they hand you a drink. There you go. For station one, also, it is a mojito. So the water slide isn't, isn't made down, of cocktails. No, look, cocktails. Here's what you got. You've got, you know those rubber rings, right? And you get the rubber ring, yeah, that you sit on and then go down a water park. It's that. So you get your new rubber ring. you got a little kind of clip tray, right? And you go to different stations. First station, you go down, boom, it's a mutual pool. That's the first station. Now in a mutual pool, which is actually a tiki bar, right? And you can go up there, you move your little donut, go to the side, they give you a mojito. Here's your first thing, but it's not just a mojito because it's mixology. This is a mojito slash wind stupid organic vegetable <laughs> conveyor belt tomato. <laughs> it's a tomato mojito in layers. Um, and they give you that and you clip it onto your little tray and you can chill out there. But if you're antisocial or want to get drunk like Pete does, mm -hmm. you neck it and then you go down to the next slide bit and you just pull it there and off you go into the next slide. And then you go down. The next one's like, a, say, I don't know, like some kind of uh, cheesecake ensemble, triple vodka, <laughs> you know, martini or something. Well, I like the idea that you've just got people at the side of this water slide handing out the ingredients and you've got to make the cocktail as you're going In down. The thing, well, that's the special thing they do yeah. every year. They do, like, make your own mojito. Yeah. It's an event. Who's got the best daiquiri by the end? Yeah, yeah. Basically, treasure hunt. You've got a limited time to get to the bottom, yeah, yeah. and by the end, you've got tested on how good your mojito is. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's the oh, event. Yeah. We pull that off. Yeah. But basically, that's for the, the rest... Olympic event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the rest of the event, the, the, the rest of the year, it's a mixology bar on a water slide. That would be amazing. And you could do it indoors, so you wouldn't need to have good weather or whatever. Mm -hmm. There you go. So there you go. It's better than bowling, because even if you're drunk, at least you'd drown yourself. It's fine. <laughs> uh, bowling, you can't kill yourself. It's very hard to do. You can kill oh, other people. I don't know. Those balls are pretty heavy. Yeah, but it's easy to kill I don't like bowling. People. I don't like that you have to wear those special shoes. You don't well, you see, I was surprised that Pete Not didn't have a soup kitchen where you have to bowl for soup. Hey. Anyway, there you go. So Last question. Third question. Third question. Question. Yeah, it's a new word. Mm -hmm. uh, third question is, and this is cool, this is kind of apt. Due to online shopping, most high street shops are closing down. What would be your solution to rectify this growing global issue? And that goes to Win First, who's smiling like a cheesy kitten. Make all the online prices more expensive than in-store prices. So you have to go out to get a bargain. Which is intriguing apart from the fact that things will be shut. <laughs> no, to stop the... No, no, to, to, stop, to prevent it, you would raise online prices mm -hmm. and cheapen store prices. Because that's one of the main reasons, aside from... Uh, but do you not understand that that would therefore mean that... Because basically the reason that exists is because of rental pricing. Mm-hmm. So you would actually bankrupt all the businesses if that's a lower. No, because if they raise the online prices, if it's going to the same company, that would pay for the rent. Mm. Could do. It could also pay for their new Bentley. Because the issue right exactly now is people go into a shop, Google it. So okay, you know, so your, find solu on Amazon so your solution is literally raise online and maintain store prices. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So make online shopping more expensive. Mm -hmm. So it's a luxury, you know, you pay for the convenience. Sure. Gotcha. Pete? I don't actually see it being a massive problem. So if High Street shut down um, and you were told <laughs> you've got to find a solution <laughs> to prevent this, you'll be like, yeah, don't no. care about High Street, no. whatever. If, if you can still get everything online, 
you know, if it's not putting people out of business, then do everything online, do all your shopping online, and keep the high street for the fun things. But that you that you got to find a solution. Things are shutting down the high street. What is your solution? Because yeah, if you end up with more like cinemas, pubs, bars, bowling alleys instead of your clothes shops, the high street's more fun. So oh, yeah, less shopping shops, yeah. but more, less shopping shop, more entertainment, more, yeah. more activity yeah. places. So the solution is, Pete wouldn't give a damn about the shop <laughs> shutting on the Pretty high much, street. Yeah. That's your awesome thing to walk into a PR guy. Like I'm, I'm the specialist here. I'm here to solve your high street problems. And what I'm going to say is, we don't need shops. What we need is uh, fun pubs like uh, mm-hmm. and uh, mixology cocktail places with water slides. Let me point out that most of my clothing comes from Primark. Yeah. Or concerts. Yeah. And neither are going anywhere anytime soon. Or hobo bait. Or hobo bait, of yeah, course. There you go. So basically, or any of the above. <laughs> Well, Hobo Bait's online shopping, so yeah. <laughs> there you go. Until there is until there is a high street store, which there might be one day. But, um, yeah, no, basically... Okay, so the angle would be to switch it around and make it all um, more entertainment than... Yeah. So a high street should be literally reserved for community and yeah. activities. Yeah, have fun. Yeah. Do fun. all your boring stuff Fair online. Enough. You could actually do a lot of things instead of just cinemas repeating themselves. Yeah. You could probably have like okay, um, have all sorts of skate rooms, laser tag, go karts. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, uh, speedball, um, yeah. in line uh, rollerblade massacres, uh, things mm. like this. I would say it. It's not a bad idea that I would say get more creative with retail. I think that retail is losing it because it's suffering a lot of um, triple chain strangulation there's not a lot of independence going on like if you look at hong kong for example the high streets here are fine they've never been affected mm. really apart from the protests are affecting <laughs> stuff now but japan and hong kong spain and a lot of places have maintained their mm. high street because it's independent the push in the west be it america and you know our side of europe is that it's all fundamentally corporate mm-hmm. so if you breach the corporate stuff made it more affordable it would take a lot of infrastructure this but online shopping, I think, is killing the high streets because basically, yeah, okay, the prices are better. It's more convenient. You don't have to leave. People are having less time because they're working more hours or whatever. You just need to make a high street inviting again. Mm-hmm. It used to be really cool back in the sort of 80s, 90s. Like gimmick shops like movie memorabilia, stuff like this was happening. You'd have loads of toy shops that are independently selling different things. Like the thing that I think is missing, you know how you have toy shops now, it's like the entertainer in the UK, and it's literally that. In America, they disbanded because Toys R Us went out of business, mm-hmm. and there's possibly another branch or company that we've got in the UK. The entertainer is one. But they've got things like that's an American company. Uh, Hamleys. Yeah, Hamley, Hamleys in London. But, they're, they're, I mean, they've oh, reached out in airports. Smith's Toy Stores. There's a few of yes, those that's the, the one I was thinking of. Smith's yeah. is basically Toys R Us rebooting. Yeah, yeah. But basically, what they would allocate is something Japan does really interesting in Akibahara is like age grade your outlets. Mm-hmm. So there's teenagers that want to collect sort of like more dark action figures that aren't like to play with. They're just to collect, such as like Batman and stuff like this. You'd grade. I know we we've got weird rap people living in our <laughs> living in our podcast chamber. Some clicking going it's, on. It's the government. Well, we are in a cave. It's the government wiring up to hear what our suggestions are for these important <laughs> questions. But you grade all of that, so you'd have collector stuff for older people, people that like movie memorabilia. All of that stuff's gone now. 
And I think that what you've got to do is reduce corporate control over everything on a high street because that's become like, there needs to be certain laws in place mm. to protect independence and take away from the corporations. Well, the key thing why it hasn't really worked in Asia, I think, is uh, obviously the independents don't always go online. That's one thing. Oh, massively and, in Hong Kong. Yeah, and a Hong lot Kong. of people like to check because the exchange policies are really different here. Like, if you buy something that's on sale, you cannot return it. You have to check it in the shop if it's the wrong size. Yeah, whereas in, you know, in America, no you can deal. literally buy a pair of jeans, put your butt through it because they're too small for you when you get home. And then complain. And then take it back and say, like, this was obviously the wrong size. Yeah. And, and it's their fault, not yeah, yours. So, so in America, but that's, it's... that's only because of corporations. Yeah. Corporations make that available. Yeah. My point would be, when because this is my answer to the question, even though I appreciate what you're saying, is like you've also got to understand that Japan, for example, is where everything's true. It's true that you've got independence and it's true that you've got corporations, but it all works. Mm. No, but my point was people like to hold the thing and check it, which is why actually what's more popular here is that you sell something online, say as an independent, and then you meet the person at a, at a train station and then, you know, you exchange it physically. Yeah. So that's actually... You know, more which, spies, which spies have been doing in parks for many moons. Mm. But I think the, the answer here is actually the greed of corporate, I think. The corporate greed and the structure of high streets is what's killing high streets. Mm -hmm. It's got nothing to do with online shopping, I believe. Mm. I think what people are doing is they're being told by the powers through their own propaganda or whatever that we don't buy in high streets anymore, which is strictly untrue. Last Christmas is a good example in the UK because when the press report is like, the entire United Kingdom is basically like not turning up into its high streets, like it's a ghost town, but it's not true. It, it, it was busy as hell. From a ground level, what you've got to look at here is that it, there's, there's got to be kind of an honesty thing because one question I always had in America, and this is really my closing statement before we shut this down, it's a bit of a sobering one, but I've given nothing but silliness today. So some genius, but some silliness. I think that shops benefit with honesty. Retail in America, for example, all of the massive companies that are retailing high street brands in America own the buildings. It's the same people. So they're saying that renting's getting too high, but they're setting their own prices to their own companies. They're controlling what consumers can get. Mm -hmm. That's the problem. So we need honesty in retail. I think that the UK used to have a special, like when we went to York, if you look at how the city infrastructure of York works next to Birmingham, Liverpool and other places that are big cities like modern evolving cities, it doesn't work the same. So it's mostly independent and very few corporate stores. They're still there, but it's mostly independent and it makes sense, you know? So Japan has this honesty factor because their society is more honest, more open about stuff by and large. To the consumer, especially because they understand that your consumer is your future, mm. right? So even if the retail is high in Tokyo, which it is crazy high, they stay in business because they've constantly got an audience. It's a bit like, you know how you, you were talking about the entertainment factor. Why isn't there a rock scene anymore in Birmingham? There should be because everyone's still interested in it. And everyone meets. Yeah, it's getting worse and worse at the moment. I know. And that's the point. We're being directed to think that there isn't. But there's still an audience there. That's the point. Mm. It's never gone. And I think that's my solution is to stop lying to the consumer. 
because it feels like a, a monopoly control. H&M's got 5,500 stores. It's brutally protected financially. And then suddenly it lets, oh, no, we're not going to have 12 stores in London anymore. We're going to ship them around the world now. And it reshuffles what London can have. It's kind of like, um, it's just a thought. It, to me, I think the solution is clarity. And it's also bearing in mind that your business opportunities are more innovative from the grassroots level than they are from the top brass who are basically taking ideas that someone's been very successful in and then saturating it like apple apple stuff now is saturated yeah like the ipad 30 is going to be the same goddamn thing <laughs> but <laughs> 30 years later you know what i mean we need to get that independent innovation back and i know this is a very deep thing but it's something that bothers me like it's like when you have the Asian and the Spanish schematics, Spain is really important. Andalusia to uh, Catalonia, two of the biggest markets in retail, right, for tourism. And there's so many independent boutiques and things like that. You've, Of course, you've got big chains. Starbucks is there somewhere and H&M's going to be there somewhere. But you've got lots of independence. The reason for that isn't because people aren't leaving their house and going shopping. They want to do that. They want to have that experience. It's because you're not being honest. And it's something that we have to put to task for. So my solution is get a government watchdog over corporate power to stop taking it away from people's opportunities and innovation. And that bombshell is Jeremy Clarkson uh, giving you a bombshell. Top Gear reference. There you go. So I'm done. I think Pete's done. He's a little bit amused. He's going to go home and... Thank you for listening to our comedy <laughs> podcast. He's going to go home and lie down and think, Jesus, that was actually quite sensible. Um... Jesus, I should say, because I uh, don't want anyone to worry about my Jesusness. Uh, so, Jesus, Gabriel, we are done. That's over for this week. We will be back talking about filming next time round. Got some cool stuff coming up, and we'll have some special guests soon on the podcast. From me, that's it. Over to Win for the Wrap Up. Subscribe to FIA Gets Tubed on YouTube for access to all Project FIA episodes and extras. As you know, you can find our podcast on all the major platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, and SoundCloud. Ask us questions and drop us your comments via email. Our address is projectfia.rebelrated at gmail.com. And of course, we are also on Twitter. Our handle is projectfia.rebelrated.